Welcome to episode 10 of the MJ Sports Podcast. My name is Mark, and I'm joined by Jonas, and this is your week of sports and review. Sports, 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 woo! And we are back once again, and today, for episode 10, we have a very, very special guest. This man is a three-time fantasy baseball champion, a one-time fantasy football champion the former host of the b-rock sports show stationed in springfield missouri we have brock wilson let's give him a hand what can i say quite the intro yes yes all all for you the the best yeah i mean that's that's jonas's specialty here the the intros (laughs) yes well brock I don't how know does what it to feel? Say. I'm, I'm, how, uh, how does it feel to be be back on the the podcast game? Well, you know, I've been out of the game for a while, but uh, that doesn't mean that I don't stay out of the sports news because I'm certainly in it. You know, being a a uh, four time fantasy league champion does that to you. Yes, uh, I'm sure it does. So uh, you know, I'll try to. To lend my expertise as, as well as I can, because I know how much it's uh, valued among the patrons. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I almost feel like Brock should be taking my spot on this show, because I've finished <laughs> second to him so many times. It's okay. I think we, we, we both have around around these parts. <laughs> uh, well, we, we had an exciting week of sports. Uh, you want to start it off with some NFL storylines? Sure, sure. I mean... Uh... There's a bunch. Personally, I say, you know, it might not be first on our list, but I just want to start it with uh, the the Bills and the Cardinals game. The uh, the uh, Hale Mur- Murray, Hale Mur- Murray, man, that is harder to say than what you'd think. But uh, Kyler to DeAndre Hopkins, are, are all the Texans fans crying now? I mean, I think they were crying when this trade initially went down I mean they knew what was going to happen so the fact that they didn't even get into first round pick out of it is pretty pathetic well uh well Brock what what do you think about just that game as a whole you know I don't think the uh the Hail Mary is really uh indicative that that DeAndre Hopkins puts Arizona as a uh, as a team that's that much better than than Buffalo. You know those 50-50 balls can go either way. You know if it's an inch one way or an inch the other way, Buffalo wins that football game. We're not even talking about this. While DeAndre Hopkins can put a team in a position in a better position uh, to win those plays. Uh, Arizona did come out on top, but at the same time, all that game proves is that uh, both Arizona and Buffalo are deep playoff contenders, while uh, Arizona now has one more win on its resume and has one of the best receivers in the NFL, if not the best receiver in the NFL. Both of these teams are still very, very impressive, and um, you can't take anything away from Buffalo just because they... uh, they, they were not in the right position to, to bat that ball away. So while, while 
the DeAndre Hopkins play is impressive, uh, you can't uh, you can't take any credit away from Buffalo because these are two very impressive football teams. Now, uh, if you if you haven't been listening, I have been hating on the Bills pretty much all year. I, I think this is honestly the first time since like their you know really the third game of the season that they've actually looked somewhat decent. So you know I, I'll give them I'll give them that I'll give them that. You can't say they didn't look decent beating Seattle. Yeah, but Seattle literally has... We might as well segue on to this next point. Seattle is on pace to give up the most passing yards in NFL history. So is that really a fair comparison? I mean... Defense is hold up. Because they've got a prolific offense. Well, the last two weeks, Russell Wilson's kind of looked like garbage. Yeah, and that's... uh... That's kind of been how it's gone, you know, ever since their Super Bowl win. Um, this has kind of been a team that's fallen short of expectations. So I wouldn't disagree with that point. I would say Seattle's always been a team that's looked good out of the gate, but toward the end of the season, they've been a team that's, uh, that's maybe not been able to live up to the hype that they've, that they've created around themselves and the rest of the NFL's created. So you're not wrong in saying that. Yeah, I actually looked it up before this. So right now, Seattle's defense is on pace to give up over 7,500 yards uh, passing. There's only been one team in NFL history who's ever given up more than 7,000. Any guesses who, who that might be? Uh, the own 16 Lions. No. Uh, it was actually the 2012 Saints. Was that the year that? Oh no, that wasn't the year they got beat by Seattle, was it? No, they they went seven and nine that season. Mm. Man, that that's bad. But I figure, as teams, I mean, everyone's passing the ball more, so I'd figure you would kind of see these numbers pile up if you don't have a good. Either a a good defensive line to create pressure, or b good uh, good safeties and corners. So, yeah, I mean, and again with Seattle, it's just brutal that they can't have any health or consistency at running back. I mean, we we talked about that last week a little bit. How it's absurd that they wouldn't have one of their starting three running backs healthy for some of their games. Well, I also think it's surprising that the, the defense has underperformed as much as it has because coming into the season, you know, this was supposed to be a uh, revamped defense, a defense that was supposed to, uh, you know, harken back to the days of, of the Legion of Boom. You bring in Jamal Adams, and, you know, he's supposed to, uh, you know, be the leader and take over where that squad left off. And he had a, a good couple games of the sea uh, of the season racked up a handful of sacks and he's underperformed as well since then and I think that um, there are a lot of as as we've talked about a lot of questions surrounding that defense but questions surrounding why um, you know their moneymaker Jamal Adams has, has struggled so much as of late well Brock we actually talked about this last week that Jamal Adams was a a, a really good player on a horrible Jets team, and so maybe Seattle overpaid for him, which I think they overpaid 
regardless of, you know, how good he actually is. But then he comes into what kind of is a better defense. At least last year they were a better defense than the Jets. So it's like, is he really as good as, as what we thought he was in New York? But it's I, there's a play, I don't know if you guys saw, where uh, they he like at the goal line went to tackle somebody and then just backed away from him and it was like what are you what are you even doing yeah. I don't know if you guys saw that yep I saw it and I I don't know if that's a, if that's a mindset thing or you know if he's he's battling an injury I I agree that you could make the argument that they overpaid him uh, different from a playmaker on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think you can add just one defensive star and that make your defense. Obviously, um, you can run plays away from one guy on defense uh, to be able to uh, to avoid them. Whereas on offense, if you give a playmaker the ball, someone's got to stop him, right? So, if Jam- if Jamal Adams is is the you know the Pro Bowler that they paid for, then that's certainly, uh, you know, worth paying for. But at the same time, you know, if the rest of their defense is going to struggle the way that they have, which they have, they have struggled. They're not what they were, you know, five, six years ago when they were the Legion of Boom. Um, then, yeah, it does seem kind of pointless to, to, to pay a guy that much money because one person's not going to make the defense. And so far, he at the beginning of the season, he did kind of make the defense. They had a good defense the first couple weeks of the season, but... Um, He's not been able to carry that defense. Yeah, yeah I mean, go go ahead, Mark. Go ahead. No, sorry. No, no <laughs> well, I, I I absolutely agree with you. I I think that's a good point. Is, and I mean I mean the same thing on offense. Maybe, I mean obviously a good quarterback uh, makes a whole world of difference. But, you know, adding one player to one side of the ball, definitely doesn't fix all the other holes. I mean, you know, I, I think the Seahawks are still they're still reeling a little bit because you know they had to let a lot of those guys go, um, and really they only brought in Jamal Adams. So, not the, their big problem right now is not being able to get any any pass rush at all. I mean that's just absolutely brutal. It doesn't even give corners a chance. I mean you can have good corners, but if they have to if they have to cover for ten seconds. I mean, they don't stand a chance out there. Well, they didn't re-sign Jadavian Clowney. So, is that is that what's costing them right now? I mean, I think they should have re-signed him personally, but... Um, or you got to find a way to address it in the draft, but... Yeah, that doesn't necessarily help them now. <laughs> No, a little but, bit too late for that. Well, but, uh, the other thing is, is, is you know, this is a, a, a clear playoff contender, regardless of how much they've struggled as of late. Now, um, losing to the Bills and, and losing to the Rams, who, by the way, are not bad football teams. But um, Russell Wilson not looking great. You know, I think he's got a lot of stress on his shoulders having to carry – this team fully on offense it's the defense has been so bad that you bring up a point you know needing help um, something that they can address in the draft is this something that they can address right now um, 
as you get down to the stretch of the season, we're past the halfway point now, if this is a team that really thinks it's one of the best in the league, they can contend for a Super Bowl, maybe they do need to add another name on the defensive side of the football. Yeah, I'm, I'm not exactly sure how they do that, though. I mean, the, the yeah. trade deadline's come and gone. We didn't see, really see any action with that. So unless they can find someone on waivers or pull up a guy from the some either their own practice squad or someone else's practice squad to make an immediate difference, I'm not sure we're going to see any major personnel improvements. Well, and that's the other thing. A lot of times, um, sometimes all you need is a fresh face, you know, a different rotation. If right now the you know starting 11's not getting it done, it's not. Um, someone else deserves a chance. Someone else deserves a call up, and you never know. Um, you never know who that person's going to be. It could be an unknown guy. It could be a guy that that uh, that's um, you know it's not an all star like Jamal Adams. A guy that not a lot of people are familiar with. It could be a guy on the practice squad. But if if we're talking about this team in particular, someone else deserves a chance because the starting eleven's not getting it done. No, I I definitely agree with you there. Yeah. Well, uh, well, Mark, I don't know if you, because, you know, so let's say there is someone to sign, you know, for free agency. I, I don't know if you want to go into these more intensive protocols. I actually didn't really even hear about this, so I don't know if you just want to update. Yeah, the the NFL just announced today that moving forward, um, so you know, like a team has one positive case, they get put into intensive protocols for so long. Um, that involves things like uh, no in-person meetings, uh, to-go lunches only, um, no use of the locker rooms aside from game days, stuff like that. Um, they've pretty much announced that every team for the rest of the season uh, with the rising numbers and COVID cases is going to be put in that. And I think part of that's on the heels of uh, the Raiders uh, now have six positive tests. I think I saw that Washington has a positive test, and I think I saw another one or two, um, which the players, uh, you know, I've heard Aaron Rodgers complain a little bit about some of the intensive protocols. So I'm sure this isn't a popular move among the players. I mean, part of it on the league standpoint is clearly they just they don't want to have to reschedule any of their games. But that's well, pretty much is- that. This is, you know, if that's what Aaron Rodgers said, obviously this is something that, that no one wants to see. I mean, no one wants to uh, be restricted any more than, than they already are with, with everything that's going on. But at the same time, you know, they kind of, this was kind of the deal with the end of the baseball season, having to do the, the playoffs in the bubble. If you want to get the season in, this almost seems like something that you've got to do. Um, I think that that you're at least going to have two teams that are going to that would make it through the entire season without having any major problems but at the same time if you want an entire field of playoff teams to make sure that they don't have any coronavirus cases you want to make sure that that they're healthy every single week you're going to have to lay down the law and make sure that teams follow the rules they're not exposing themselves uh, any more than they already are to make sure that that 
they can stay safe and make sure that you protect the game for the fans because the fans want to see football one way or the other. And if, and if the teams can't get out on the field, then we can't watch football, right? And so I think it's something that's got to be done, even though it's not something that we want to see. It's, it's kind of becoming necessary. Jonas, you have any thoughts? No, not really. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you really solve. Well, that, that's the thing. There's like no real way to solve this this issue, unless. I mean, we have obviously we have really seen any very many athletes really have very serious symptoms or anything. So, about the only other solution, if you don't want to have as many restrictions, would just be have no restrictions and just if you get it you get it who really cares like as long as you don't have any symptoms but obviously that's not really a choice option uh so you kind of have to go to the you just the players just have to live the i i, I do think it's kind of funny that you know everyone's like oh i can't see my family and for two months and yada yada and it's i i mean i get that but at the same time i feel like there's like tons of people that don't live with family on a normal basis so it's kind of like eh. so to me I, I don't feel as much uh, of uh, sympathy for, well, for, for some of these guys and that's a completely different topic I think if we're going to tackle that that aspect of it because there there certainly are a lot of people especially in today's world that you know have had their lives turned upside down one way or another and these professional athletes are just—it's just just another group of people that it's had to, you know, change their daily lives because of, of what's happening. And if we're going to get into that, you know, it's it's, the simple fact of, you know, how bad do you want to play? And I think most of these these athletes understand, you know, this is this is what we have to do to make this happen. And I think most of them are, okay with it. It may not be what they want, but. Um, as I said, you know, if 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 this if you're going to finish the season, if you're for sure going to finish the season, and make sure that uh, you have enough teams to to have a playoff and make sure that every team plays every week, you kind of don't have a choice. As much as as you don't want to say it, because if someone's got coronavirus and they've exposed other people to coronavirus, they have to quarantine regardless of who they are, regardless. If they're a professional athlete, regardless of, of what kind of shape they're in, that's just the world that we live in. So, again, I, I think it's it's necessary. We don't want to see it, but we really don't have a choice at this point. Yeah, I mean, I, I'd say the other thing is you could just quarantine, or you could have the family be in the bubble as well, and then if the player happens to get it, then he would just not be around his family for like two weeks, but at least at the end of that two weeks or whatever, his family would still be in the bubble. So, I don't know. I, I would think there could be some better solutions than what uh, they've been able to come up with. I know the NBA, you know, kind of had that whole thing where you get to pass, like, the second round of the playoffs or something, and or first round or whatever, you get family to be able to come in. And obviously that was like a pure bubble, but, yeah, I, I, I don't know. I would think there would be some sort of logistical way to to solve the problems to the best of their ability which the nfl 
doesn't do sometimes or very well. <laughs> but, but yeah. Yeah, well, that's enough of uh, coronavirus. I hear enough about that every day anyways, so. I agree with Mark. Mm -hmm. Let's move on. Uh, let's move on to a more positive to topic. Uh, it's famous Jameis time. The New Orleans Saints. Uh, Drew Brees suffered a collapsed lung and multiple fractured ribs, uh, which means we get to see Jameis Crablegs Winston uh, take the field once again. I, I guess the real question is, um, will he throw 30 touchdowns first or 30 interceptions first? I'm leaning towards 30 interceptions. I don't know. He got LASIK. Uh... LASIK, LASIK Jameis. Yeah. I mean, who knows? I... Here's the thing is, like, Teddy Bridgewater uh, came in, went 5-0 and for him. So I would think the Saints are structured well enough to where they could win as long as he – the thing that Teddy did really well was just not turn the ball over. So if Jameis can just not turn the ball over, like, three times a game, I think the Saints will be fine. And at least they could – put together a winning record with them, but... Well, and, and here's the thing. If, if Drew Brees is only out a couple weeks, it's really not that big a deal. You, you're, I don't think if you're the Saints, you're worried about not making the playoffs. But um, opposed to, to the Teddy Bridgewater situation, um, he came in and did exactly what they needed him to do, as you said. He was a game manager. Didn't turn the football over. Um, that is the exact opposite of what James of what James Winston did. And there's no denying that. Drew Brees, I'm not going to call him a game manager. I think that's that's taking away from his from his ability as a quarterback. He's Alex Smith. But he's not he's not a deep ball thrower. He's not a big playmaker. He's a dink and dunker. And this team's built around a quarterback like that with uh, a running back like Alvin Kamara that makes that makes plays in space with a, a top-wide receiver like Michael Thomas that works short routes and, and makes plays in space. Jameis Winston does not play that way. So you're for the next couple weeks, you're completely overhauling this offense to become something that it is not built to be. And I think, uh, I don't, I'm not saying that it's going to fail because it could work, but it's going to be very interesting to see how this plays out with him at quarterback. So I've got an interesting question. Um, let's say Jameis goes out there. Uh, let's let's say Breeze is out indefinitely right now, um, and Jameis goes in next two games. He throws like three picks each game, not playing well. Do you consider starting Taysom Hill? <laughs> it's their only other guy. I mean, I, I don't. Here's the thing is. I, what I've never understood is why they don't use Taysom Hill to th pass the ball more. Obviously, you don't want him to make a, a dumb mistake, but I don't know. It just seems like they've like slowly kind of turned him into just a one-dimensional player whenever they use him, and I don't know. It's almost like, in a way, it almost seems like Sean Payton doesn't really have a ton of trust in him, and I'll let you guys kind of... Well, I, with that idea. I think that's a good point because you don't really have that big of a sample size. You don't you don't let him drop back in the pocket and pass the ball in multiple plays, which is fine. He doesn't need to because he's not the starting quarterback. 
I think I think the way that they use Taysom Hill right now is completely acceptable. I don't think they need to do anything different with the way they use him right now. He's a he's a gadget guy that's very athletic, that's very strong. They can pretty much do whatever you need him to do. Um, but if you if you had to throw him into a starting role, which I don't think they will, I think Jameis Winston could play as bad as he's ever played, and they will still run him out there because I agree. I don't think you can really trust Taysom Hill because you've not seen him uh, play consistently as a pure passer. Yeah, and I just want to, I just want to, Brock, whenever he said that they're like overhauling the, their offense to, because Jameis is like all this, you know, he's a different type of quarterback. I don't really see him, you know, I don't think he's going to go in there and be what he was at Tampa Bay. I think they're going to, uh, you know, he's been working behind Drew Brees and with Sean Payton this whole season. So I, I think, I don't think he'll be quite as, gunslinger is what you might think. I think he might adapt a little bit more to throwing these short routes and then using Kamara to set up play action for your deep passes. And I do think, you know, he'll probably will make a couple of mistakes, but I think the Saints as a team are good enough to overcome those mistakes. So, but I, I don't think it'll be a complete kind of overhaul just sling it around uh, offense going forward. And if he does play that way, I think that will show just how much he's matured since he's left Tampa Bay, since he's been playing behind Drew Brees. Um, And I think that would be something very positive to see. Um, And and you may be right in the sense that that they have, um, I don't know, reined Jameis in. But I don't trust, from what we've seen from his entire career, that that, that will happen. I, I think we've definitely got to see him, see him play in this, uh, in this offense first to be able to make that conclusion. But I think it's a possibility. I, I think it's a possibility that, that, that they could have transformed him to, to work in this offense. But from what we've seen from Jameis Winston historically, it's, it's tough to imagine him playing that way. Yeah, Mark, Mark, what do you think? I mean, I, I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it because I agree with both of you. You know, I, I don't think they're going to overhaul their offense completely. Um, but with Jameis, you do get the added dimension. I mean, you do know that he can throw the ball down the field. Um, a lot of his issues in Tampa Bay seem to be related to decision-making. So... You know, if that's improved, you know, maybe sitting behind a guy like Drew Brees, being around Sean Payton, uh, I'm I'm real interested to see uh, what he can do in this offense. Would you start Taysom Hill at any point? Absolutely not. <laughs> I agree wholeheartedly. I think he's nothing more than a gadget player. They they almost never throw with him already, so that should tell you enough that that uh, you know. They, uh, I mean, they brought in Jameis over the offseason. I mean, there are rumors that Taysom Hill wanted to actually be a starting quarterback. Um, if they thought there was any real chance of that, would they really have brought in Jameis Winston? 
that that's fair. But I mean, you could say they're grooming Jameis to be the successor to Breeze. Oh, I absolutely think they are. I mean, oh, if, they, if, they, if they if they can get his picks down, why not? I'm gonna have to agree with Brock uh, as far as a a future uh, for the Saints. I, I don't think he's the, the future for him. <laughs> I'm not saying he's like the future. Like, I'm not going to, but he could be serviceable enough for them to do what they need. I mean, they've got Kamara locked up now. Mm. I mean. Well, history tells us that locking up a running back is also a mistake. So, but we we won't go there. We we won't go there. You know what? I say we bring it back to, uh, to the clown show that is Antonio Brown. You know. So, uh, apparently, he just likes destroying stuff. And just, you know, generally annoying people. So, uh, yeah, I, I mean, granted, this was before he got signed in Tampa Bay. And apparently, Bruce Arians said that he's done what he has needed to do for us so far. I, I agree with that statement. Um, since coming to Tampa Bay, Antonio Brown has stayed relatively quiet. It's almost like he's not even there, as, as crazy as that sounds. Because when he went to New England, um, it was, you know, what, what's Antonio Brown doing? What, 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 what's, what's, what's going on with Antonio Brown? And now that he's been in Tampa Bay, he hasn't put up huge numbers. He hasn't been in the news. He hasn't done anything dumb yet, other than what he did before he got to Tampa Bay. So I think this is, a, this is positive news for him. Um, as we've talked about in private um, before, uh, there are a lot of mouths to feed in Tampa Bay, which I think is the reason why his stats have not been gaudy yet this season. But um, to be able to have him in your offense is obviously a plus as long as he's going to behave, which he has so far. And I think that uh, as long as he continues to behave and, and doesn't make the news on a daily basis, I think he's only going to be uh, a positive asset for this offense, but but he's got to uh, he's got to keep his head screwed on straight, obviously. Yeah, I uh, I I did see that the league is investigating. Um, my guess, I can't see anything really coming out of this. I mean, it's I mean it's some light property damage. I mean, berating a security card, probably just yelling at the guy. I mean, I, I don't see any real discipline coming out of this. And even if it does, I mean, like you said, there's plenty of mouths to feed in Tampa Bay. So, um, you know, he, he is a big depth piece for them, obviously. I mean, if you can have Antonio Brown as, you know, like your number three wide receiver in your offense, you know you're doing something right on talent acquisition. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I don't really know what else to to add to the old Antonio Brown. I feel like if the league suspended him, it would just draw more news to him. So it probably would be better to just kind of let let this one slide almost. Yeah, I I I agree. But uh, well, let's go into another. There was a little bit of another uh, um situation that happened in the NFL earlier today. Um, the Giants uh, fired their O-line coach today 
apparently after uh, Judge and him got into a verbal altercation, there were some reports initially um, that there might have been some punches thrown. Uh, I've pretty much everything I've seen has refuted that. Um, you know, both sides are claiming that never happened. It was just a, um, a lot of verbal uh, stuff going on. Um, I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on that at all. Just thought I'd bring it up. Yeah. You know, I think... Go ahead, Jones. Uh, I, I was just going to say, they should have fired their offensive line coach long before this incident. That's all. <laughs> That's all <laughs> I have to say. Because <laughs> our offensive line has been terrible. I think as, as far as the altercation goes, it's probably not the first time something like this has happened. Um, I know from... from being involved in sports and having disagreements with people, um, stuff like that is not just a one-time thing. Um, it may be the first time that it got out and that everyone heard about it, but this was not a one-time thing. And um, I know how disagreements like that can mess up a locker room and cause discord in a locker room. And I think if <clears throat> removing one of those parties will will uh, keep stuff like that from happening. I think it's it's a positive thing regardless of, of how good of a job he was doing as offensive line coach. Um, if he was the root of of that uh, that discord in the locker room and he's not doing so well as offensive line coach, it's absolutely appropriate to just remove him from the situation because um, in fighting and disagreements in the locker room are never end well. And uh, getting rid of the person that's causing the problems can, can make everyone, not just on the O-line, can make everyone in the locker room feel, uh, I don't want to use the word safer, that's a, that's a weird way to put it, but it makes everyone... Uh, feel maybe a little less on edge about about you know things going forward i mean one, one of the things i found a little bit funny and now i might i might be wrong on this um but based off of what i was looking at it seemed like the argument initially started over um judge bringing in another uh outside offensive line coach uh possibly to um maybe help out uh, some of the coaching on that side. So it sounded like maybe the argument revolved around that. And then you've got a case of egos, if, if, if that's the case. So, you know, we don't know who to lay blame on, and it's probably not, a, not appropriate for us to, to lay blame in this situation, seeing as, you know, we weren't there, no one was there, no one knows exactly what sparked the argument. But, uh, you know... If, if you're going to uh, be in charge and be a leader in the locker room, then regardless of whose fault it is, who causes the argument, who causes the fight, um, you, have, you have every right to put your foot down and make a change. And so I don't think you can, uh, you can necessarily fault him for that, even if he did uh, bring someone else in to help and the O-line coach didn't like that. You know, it's your football team. You do what you want. So, Couldn't have said it better myself. 
Yeah, I have nothing more to add. Well, do the Vikings or the Patriots at four and five? Can either one of them make the playoffs in this uh, first year of of an expanded playoff? Are we are we asking which team has got a better chance? Because I don't think either of these teams are making the playoffs, but I well, do think I, one of them has a better chance. Well, I was just simply asking, could. Do you think either of them will, not not which one has a better chance? Because I think we'd all agree that the Vikings probably have the better shot. I don't think either of them will, no, even with the expanded playoff. Um, you've dug yourself in too deep a hole. With, if you want to start with the Vikings, that is too talented a division for them to be able to dig out. Um, now they beat the Packers. Is it really too talented? It's the Bears it's, and the Lions top, are the two other teams. Heavy. It's top heavy because of the Packers. You're you're gonna have to beat the Packers again, and beat some other really talented teams along the way. Well, well they're done playing the Packers. Yeah, they're they one and one against. Played twice already. Yeah, played them. Oh, well, the Green Bay. Go. Green Bay blew them out week one. Um, oh, that's right. So I just. I think that that you're you're in too deep. You know, you're you're uh, you're three games out of a playoff spot as it is right now, and you look at the teams you, you look at the teams that are that are in those wild card spots, the teams that are vying for those wild card spots. You're looking at uh, basically all three teams in the West: Seattle, uh, the Rams, the Cardinals. Whichever team doesn't win that division, whichever are the two teams that don't win that division, they're wild card. Teams. You look at the NFC South. When whoever wins that division, the Saints or the Bucks, the other team's going to be a wild card contender. You look at uh, the uh, East. None of those teams, other than the one that wins that division, are going to make the playoffs. What? When no, you look at, that we're, yeah, we're all yeah, making yeah. the playoffs. <laughs> you look at the you look at the North, and you have Chicago and Minnesota as as your other two. They're both a Detroit four or five. Uh, Detroit doesn't count. Well, St- Stafford play. has a torn ligament in his thumb, so you have oh, those well, he two can play teams. You have those two teams that are fi- that are that are fighting with three other vastly more talented teams for a playoff spot, and it okay. just ain't gonna happen. Brock, let me change your mind real quick on why the Vikings <laughs> could sneak in. <laughs> They're four and five right now. They're they're four and five right now, but if we look at their upcoming schedule, they get the Cowboys this week, which is basically a free win. The Panthers, which granted could beat them, but you're looking at at a pretty good shot. Like I'd give them a 75, 25% chance of, of winning that one. That's six and five. You get Jacksonville, that's seven and five. And then the Buccaneers, that's probably a loss, but who knows? The Buccaneers have been weird this year. But let's say that's a loss. That's 7-6. and six. Then you get the Bears, the Saints, and the Lions. So I think they at least go 9-7. and seven. And I, I don't necessarily think uh, Seattle can, uh, can keep it together here. Uh, uh, I don't... So here's, here's, I, I think it's a slim the... chance, but it's a chance. Here's the, the number one reason why the Vikings will not make the playoffs. Let's say that they do. Here's the number one reason why they won't make it past the first round. Kirk Cousins. 
That's it. That uh. man will not <laughs> will not win a Super Bowl. He will not I, lead I a team to a Super Bowl. It's not going to happen. And this is the thing. Regardless of what the front office of that team thinks, the fans don't trust him either. You know, you talk you talk to people who are Vikings fans. You know, I live up here in Iowa. And you have a lot of Vikings fans up here in Iowa. They don't like him either. They know he's not any good. Now, he won his first Monday night football game this week. Big whoop-de-doo. You know, they, you, you beat a, a mediocre, not-so-good Bears team. It's, it wasn't because of Kirk Cousins that they won that football game. You know? I don't know. Kirk Cousins played pretty decent. I mean, I think going into the game, I was kind of expecting, because I, I was thinking Kirk Cousins is going to have to do more than what he's done the last two weeks in order for them to win this game, because I figured the Bears would kind of contain Dalvin Cook, which they did a pretty decent job on, at least comparatively the last two weeks. And, I mean, Kirk Cousins had a nice touchdown pass to Thielen, and another one where he, I mean, he was wide open, so obviously that should have been a touchdown. But, uh, you know, I don't know. I think he did pretty decent. I do think one in five might be too big of a hole uh, to, to dig out of considering, you know, the competition. But I don't know. I think they have a slim chance, a, a very slim chance. With, with Kirk Cousins, it's flashes of greatness is, is what we've seen. And... They have to get consistent, uh, above-average play out of him to be able to make an extended playoff run. Oh, and I don't we've, think they'll we've make... We've never seen him do that. I don't think they'll make a playoff run. I'm just simply saying there's a slim chance they can make the playoffs. Because I, I agree with you. I don't, I don't think he's a very good quarterback. I mean, he's like... He's average. He's like... He, honestly, he'd probably be like dead number 16 in the league if he had to do a ranking, so... Um, well, maybe at, worse, but at, at the end of the day, you know, there are there there are four teams, three teams that you got that you got to play better than down the stretch. The two teams that don't win the West, and either Tampa Bay or, or New Orleans. And I'm telling you right now, they're not going to finish with a better record than any of those teams. That's just not going to happen. That I mean, that's what you have to contend with. I mean, can you say that you think? that the Vikings have a chance of finishing with a better record than either the Rams, the Seahawks, the Cardinals, the Bucks, or the Saints. Because they have to finish with a better record than one of those teams. Maybe if they still had Christian Ponder for a quarterback. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if Seattle fall, continues to fall apart, maybe. The other four teams, no, not, not a better record than the other four, no. Well, you want to move to the Patriots? Mark, I'm just assuming that you have nothing else to add about the Vikings. Look, congratulations. The Vikings beat an absolutely horrible Bears offense. Whoa, 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 Mark. That Nick Foles couldn't even finish the game in. Whoa, whoa, Mark. I I, I don't want to hear about this average, you know, terrible offense after they beat you guys the the week before. No, no, no. I'm talking about the Bears offense. No, I I know. I'm I'm just saying they beat you guys, too. Yeah, we have a horrible defense. Well, that is true, but eh, still. And Nick Foles is good. Changed my mind. <laughs> what was that, 106 passing yards, one touchdown, one interception? That's 106 more than Mitchell Trubisky. And, and a bruised uh, a bruised hip or something like that? 
hey, it's I, it's back to Mitchell Trubisky, I guess. Look, let's go from one quarterback great and Nick Foles to another and Cam Newton. As oh, boy. Well, they're not making the playoffs simply off of there's like nine, six, and there's like nine teams that can make the playoffs. I'm I'm optimistic of the situation in New England because because of who is in charge. Um, when you have a guy like Bill Belichick that knows how to command a locker room, and command a team, regardless of the, the lack of talent that they now have, especially on the offensive side of the football, he's still in charge. And truth be told, New England is one playmaker away from being back to being a contender again. Um, you, you lost Julian Edelman. When Julian Edelman was an everyday player, they weren't so bad. You know, Cam Newton had a pretty good option. But you don't have any viable wide receivers aside from Jacoby Meyer, which he's looked pretty good. Um, your running back room is crowded with Damian Harris and Rex Burkhead and Sony Michelle, who's still on IR. Cam Newton's the X Factor, you know. One day he comes out and he looks like MVP Cam Newton, and the next day he comes out and he looks like, you know tore up shoulder cam Newton. and it's which one are you going to get from day to day and similar to to Kirk Cousins you know you have to have consistent above average play if they were to make a playoff run which right now we have not been getting that out of Cam Newton. but obviously if he were to consistently return to MVP Cam Newton this team's not as bad as we're acting like they are No, the Patriots are terrible. <laughs> they're they're awful, man. They're the Cam Newton. I know you just kind of, you know, dissed on him a little bit, but give me a break. You don't. You think that the the Patriots are actually somewhat? Look, I get Bill Bill Belichick. Fine, fine. I'll I'll give you Bill Belichick, but still, they're they're are not a good team. They're bad. They're, they're like half their defense opted out of this season. And, and, and the defense is still playing well. You know, they're a top-half defense in the AFC. Look, they're still in a horrible division, okay? They still get to play. I mean, I even the Jet, the Jets scored 27 points on, on them. Give, give me a break. They did, give but me. then they come back the next week and they rein in uh, uh, whatever his name is. Um, well, look, ja- I don't want to turn ja- this Jackson. I don't want to turn this Lamar Jackson. I don't want to turn this into hate Lamar Jackson, but Lamar Jackson's not a good quarterback either. So, I mean, look, and that's a pouring rain. What what are you gonna do? It's a pouring rain. Look, I, look, I, look. I, the Patriots, they're they're something. They're something. I that somehow they always seem to be somewhat decent, but they haven't lost to the dolphins yet this year and they still have to play them so that's going to be a loss cuz they always lose to them once but uh, there's just simply to me it's not even about the patriots as much there's just simply too many good teams in the AFC for them to overcome cuz you're talking about which I know you said that they they aren't going to make it anyway but uh, I don't know I personally I don't think they're very good I think Cam Newton they should get rid of him but 
What are you going to do right now? What I'm, what I'm saying is I think they have potential because of Bill Belichick, not because of the players on the field, not because of the, the talent that they have on the roster, but they're always going to have potential as long as Bill Belichick is in charge. What if Kirk Cousins was on the Patriots? Would you believe in them then? No, I would not believe in them any <laughs> but more could... than I do right now. <laughs> okay. And, here, and here's, the, here's the other positive thing about, about the way Cam Newton is playing right now. Um, he for the for the last three football games, he has protected the football. He hasn't turned it over. He's made smart passes. He's been an efficient passer. Now the problem is he can't throw the ball downfield. He can't accurately throw the ball further than 10, 50 yards, which is a problem because you have to be able to make big plays downfield. But as far as being a game manager goes, he's he's protected the football when he's been outside the pocket, and he's not made bad throws turning the football over and I think right now at this point that's what you need out of Cam Newton because in the stretch when he was when he was hurt and when they were losing he was not taking care of the football now that he started taking care of the football they're winning football games again I think that's more because Bill Belichick has decided to throw the ball less and so it just takes away the opportunities. But I get what you're trying to say. I get what you're trying to say. Well, I don't have anything else to add there. Um, I just thought that was entertaining because, Brock, as soon as you started saying anything positive at all about Cam Newton, mm-hmm. uh, I, I knew Jonas was going <laughs> to was gonna have something to say. Look, I this is the thing, you know, I don't think, similar to Kirk Cousins, I don't think that Cam Newton is the type of guy that's going to lead a team on a, on a Super Bowl run just because of the inconsistent play that you get out of him. But you can't deny the talent and versatility that he has when he's on. But he's not on all the time. So that, that's, that's his problem. He was on for one season when he won an MVP uh, and, and went to the Super Bowl. But as you saw, the, the inconsistencies and, and the gaps in his game showed up in that, in that Super Bowl. Now, granted, they had, he had to play one of the greatest defenses of all time in that Broncos team. But um, he's, he's, he's too inconsistent to, to make a deep playoff run. Look, so, the year they went to the Super Bowl and he won MVP – it was called a lucky season. That had nothing to do with skill. All luck. Well, it, it, as far as the way that he's played since then, you, you, you kind of have a point. But, uh, well, but, you know, that, you know, I, I don't want to hate on him too much more, you know. I feel like that was a healthy dose for this episode. Um, Mark, do you uh, want to get into uh, the, the game picks? Absolutely. Um, now, 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 Brock. J- just for a little preface here, <laughs> me and me and Mark have a five dollar uh, bet riding on who gets the uh, t- more total number of games correct. And currently, I believe I'm ahead by six. That's pretty good. So. Yeah, but but you know, I'm just I'm gonna keep picking against him every time, and eventually it'll work. You gotta catch up eventually. Yeah, I'm just hoping for a week where every single game is an upset. 
Well, the, the the Cardinals Hail Mary saved me again this this week. Yeah, that was. And Marcus picked against the Dolphins three times. How many uh, times did you pick the Jaguars? Was it was it five? Look, weeks? I picked <laughs> them like the first three weeks of the season, and that was a mistake. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Titans sixteen or no? Look, that was a dream. That was a dream because now it's back to nine and seven. <laughs> All right, well, well, let's let's get into this, and we can talk through some of our thought processes. Uh, starting off, uh, we've got the Cardinals at Seattle. Who do you have? Man, for some reason, part of me just feels like Seattle's going to win this game. It's a home game for them, too. I know. I've just been feeling all week that they're going to win. So I guess I'll nah yeah I'm gonna pick Seattle I'm gonna go I'm gonna go for, it almost seems like Seattle now is the underdog, which is a little bit odd but. Brock, are you also picking Seattle? Yeah, I like Seattle, just because. Because, they're in at they're they're in every football game because of the offense. Um. Even when they've gotten down big, you take that uh, the Buffalo game, for example, when they were down big, they were able to climb back in because the offense is so good. Because Russell Wilson's played so well this season. Now, he struggled as of late, but um, I, if it's offense versus offense, I think Seattle still has the edge. Well, I'm going to pick the Cardinals here because uh, I feel like this is a game where I could make up a little bit of ground. Um, I, I think this is going to be a shoot. This is going to be a high-scoring game. I mean, yes. um, this will this will be a bit of a shootout. Uh, I am projecting Kyler Murray to have uh, 473 passing yards and 13 rushing yards. Um, oh, what was your? Pred- I, I don't even remember what your prediction from last week is, but I just think it was wrong. Actually, I'm, I, I remember. I actually think uh, my prediction last week was right. I forget what it is, but I remember after I watched the game, I was like, "Oh, I think I was right." Was it about? It wasn't about Dalvin Cook, was it? No, I I don't think it was. I I made that awful pick earlier in the year where I said Jonathan Taylor was going to have <laughs> <laughs> like 173 rushing yards or something, um, right after I traded for him in fantasy. Uh, and then he ended up putting up like 40. So, but I'm confident in Kyler. It's it's just going to be Hail Marys all day. Oh, I hope so. Uh, next, we've got the Cincinnati Bengals versus the Washington football team. I'll take Joe Burrow. I think the Washington defense wins out in this one. Uh, I feel like this one could be close. I mean, Alex Smith did have over 300 passing yards. Hmm. I'm going to go Washington. If Washington (laughs) wins, it's not going to be because of the offense, obviously. Oh, no, it's it's going to be the offense. Their defense (laughs) is going to be trash. (laughs) They've had had a a surprisingly stellar defense this season, and uh, despite all the weapons that – Joe Burrow and that offense has, I think I think the defense wins out of this game. I have Alex Smith throwing for 
213 passing yards, four touchdowns, all to Terry McLaurin. <laughs> oh, jeez. <clears throat> Next, we've got your Atlanta Falcons, Brock, uh, oh, this versus the Saints. Uh, we'll let you start off on this one. With the game being at the Superdome, I got to take the Saints. But uh, anytime these two teams play, uh, something weird always happens. Last time they played, Young Way Koo uh, <laughs> had three straight onside kick recoveries. Um, you know, the reason why the Falcons have, have struggled as of late, as in over the past two seasons, because of the, uh, the inconsistent offensive line that they've had and the inconsistent play that they've gotten from Matt Ryan. Matt Ryan has, has been back to his MVP form the last three, four, five games. The offensive line has been, has been protecting him as well. If, if the offensive line protects Matt Ryan and he has time to throw the football, um, the Falcons are in every game that they play, even against the Saints. And you've got an opportunity here with Jameis Winston at quarterback instead of Drew Brees. So I think if you can hang 30, 35 points on them, I think they've got a chance. But at the end of the day, I, I think the Saints will probably probably hang on. Look, Brock, the weird thing happening this time is that it's Jameis Winston playing for the Saints. And that solely is why I'm picking the Falcons. This, this one's a tough one for me. Um, you know, I have felt a little bit obligated to pick the Falcons a lot this season, and I think I'm actually going to do it again here. Um, I Man, also I'm giving you a free pick, so. Mark. I'm giving you a free yeah. Saints pick. No, no. The, the real pick is going to come from Jameis Winston. Picks. There might be more than one, yeah. <laughs> Well, the next one, we're all picking the Steelers. I'm yep. actually, uh, you know, yep. I saw a lot out of uh, Jake uh, Luton. Um, I think I'm going to pick the Jags. No. <laughs> you saw a lot from Keelan Cole as well. Yeah, that, I saw a little bit too much <laughs> from the Jaguars <laughs> to feel comfortable. But uh, moving on, we've got the Patriots at the Texans. <laughs> you've got hey, you've got an, an indoor uh, environment this week. Uh, the conditions are ripe for Cam Newton to be able to take care of the football. You have a, a Texans defense that is vastly underperformed this season, um, but the Patriots are going to have to score points to to stay in this football game. I don't know if they can, because again, you never know which Cam Newton you're going to get from Patriots. But uh, I would have to go with the Patriots if this wasn't if this was an outdoor game. I think I would lean to the Texans, but you're giving Cam Newton a good environment to be able to uh, to have a good consistent game. And I think he'll probably show up and have a pretty good performance. I'm also going to pick the Patriots here. Um... Yeah, and pretty okay. much all of what Brock said. 
Brock, I think this past week literally proved why everything you just said is completely wrong. No, 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 no. What, the, See, I the, knew you were going to say that. The, the worse the weather, the better it is for the no, Patriots because the other team's good offense has to basically – the Texans are can only throw the ball. So in good weather, that benefits them versus when Cam Newton gets to throw the ball, it just turns into a very bad day for him. So but you've seen how well he's been able to throw the football. That's the thing. You know, yeah, imagine no. how well the Patriots would have played if you would have had a good weather game last week. Yeah, the Ravens would have won by two touchdowns if that was the case. But to each their own. To each their own. You know, I guess we'll see what happens, but I'm I'm gonna go with the Patriots. I just think Cam Newton's You terrible, can't so. pick the Patriots. I mean, I mean after the Texans. I mean okay. I I'm, I'm meant to say the Texans. Good I'm sorry. Grief. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That right there just proves that deep down you love Cam Newton. It, it's deep uh, in there, but you do. You're right. It just needs to be summoned out of me. Yeah. Um, next we've got the Eagles at the Browns. Carson Wentz is also trash. Just give me the Browns. I'll go with the Browns, too. Uh, Eagles have been too inconsistent this year. Uh the Browns have been good at home, and uh, you know, with it with it being in Cleveland and and being on, you know, Lake Coast, you always have the the chance for bad weather. And Cleveland's played real well in bad weather football games this this year. You know, another opportunity for that this week. And any type of adversity thrown towards the Eagles, they absolutely crumble. And that's that's it's kind of trending toward that kind of football game this week. Look, I'm excited. The Cowboys are only a game and a half out of the division lead, so we're, we're coming back into it. I'm also picking the Browns here just because the Eagles are absolutely horrible. Um, next, we've got the Lions at the Panthers. Well, so Matt Stafford's not playing well, I didn't see he wasn't playing. I saw he, I believe it was a partially torn ligament in his thumb. Um, I, I didn't see anything that actually was ruling him out, though. Okay, I just want to put a contingency on this pick. I'm picking the Lions unless Matt Stafford doesn't play, and then I'm picking the Panthers. Look, he's going to play. He's a tough guy, okay? I know he I, is. I know he is. I kind of like the Lions in this game. Uh Carolina's struggled to put points on the board recently. They've, they've struggled when they've fallen behind. So I think if the Lions can jump out jump out in front early in this game and really put Teddy Bridgewater on his back on his heels, that, uh, that Carolina's going to have a tough time getting back into it. So I like the Lions to jump out early and, and put this game to bed in the first half. I am also going to go with the Lions, uh, even though they almost blew it last week. Um, I, yeah. Like I said, as long as Kenny Galladay's healthy, I mean they just they seem to play well. So. Okay. Can I just last week, <laughs> the the announcer for this the the Lions game versus Washington, uh, the Lions were ahead by like seventeen points, <laughs> and the announcer is like, "Man, this is right where Washington wants them at because." <laughs> <laughs> 
because Detroit can't hang on to a lead. And then literally, like, the next, like, 20 minutes of the game, Washington just climbs back in it. And the announcer's like, I told you, there's they're only down by 14 now. Oh, there's another touchdown. Only, And then... So, I don't know. I don't think them necessarily getting ahead in the beginning is, you know, comfortable for them. But I, I do think... I, I don't know. I I thought that was pretty funny because I thought they were going to lose, to be honest. But look, the, the tables turned on the Lions. The Lion, the Washington got put in the situation that the Lions are in almost every game, where they get down by a bunch early and then they just have to start chucking the ball up. And sometimes you you make a comeback because of it. It's true. Um, so we've got the Titans at the Ravens next. Uh, Jonas, I know you usually have to consult your schedule here because your new prediction is the Titans go nine and seven. Uh, is this yeah. a W or an L for the Titans? Well, unfortunately for the Titans, uh, this is going to be a loss for them. And unfortunately for the Titans, a nine and seven record is not going to make the playoffs this year in the AFC. So uh, I, I am disappointed, you know, RIP Titans um, for this season, but. Uh, it is what it is. I think this is a really interesting game because you have two teams that are that have underperformed as of late. You have two teams that uh, were supposed to be really good this season, and they they are both still good football teams. But boy, they they struggled the last two weeks against teams that they were supposed to play well against. And uh, the team with with more talent on both sides of the football is the Ravens. But I think we'll see the Titans bounce back this week after the embarrassing performance they had against the Colts. I think they've got a chip on their shoulder now, and I think they have a good game against against uh, Baltimore. I like the Titans. I also like the Titans. Uh, like you said, both teams have kind of been scuffling as of late, and I feel like the Ravens have been scuffling more than the Titans. And I think the Titans are, even though the Ravens have a lot of talent, I think the Titans are kind of more poised to turn things around a little bit quicker just because of the culture they've built there. So I've got the Titans. And next we've got the Jets at the Chargers. Um, is it safe to assume we're all picking the Chargers here? Or anyone yeah. going to be bold? I don't think this is the game the Jets get their first win. I think it might be their best opportunity. Are you saying there is a game where you think they might win? I think they will win a game. I don't know what game it'll be, and it's not going to be this one. This is their best opportunity so far. Let me let me pull up their schedule real quick. I wanna I wanna see what our options are going forward for them. (laughs) There is none. (laughs) Besides this one's our only shot. That's kinda my point, but I I just wanna see, you know. Maybe we have some more absolute drudgings to look forward to. I mean, the Chargers—they could blow. They could blow a lead against them. All right, but... I've got the schedule here. So you've got the Chargers. Oh boy. Then you've got Miami. Then you've got the Raiders. You've got Seattle. The Rams, and Cleveland, and New England. 
I think there are definitely a couple of those games that, that you could that you could see them being in. I think you can see them being in the game against the Raiders. They, they can be in the game against the Browns. I think they can be in the game against the Patriots. Um, should they be favored in any of those games? Absolutely not. But I think I think they win one of those football games. I, I don't think they go 0-16. They're not that bad. Joe Flacco has actually played pretty well since coming in for Sam Darnold. So they'll win one of those games. Mark, you want to hit him with your favorite saying on the Jets? Look, I've been saying all season, the Jets would go 0-16 against the 0-16 Lions. <laughs> if... uh- I don't know about that. <laughs> yes, yes, they would. The the Jets are worse than the 0-16 yeah, so, um, Lions. I you're, promise. You're, you're willing to say that this Jets team is the worst NFL team ever? Quite possibly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> they are awful. I mean, part of it, they've still got Adam. They've definitely got the worst head coach ever. I mean, Adam Go- Gase. I mean, Adam Goat. <laughs> yeah, Adam, Adam Goat. Uh, that, that's enough with the Jets. Okay. Um, next, we've got the Dolphins at the Broncos. And Jonas, I'm actually going to pick the Dolphins this time. Thank I'm, God. I am changing my ways. I'm confident in them. I'm also not sure I've even ever picked Denver this season. Uh, cause I Didn't don't. you pick them against the? You picked them against the Jets. <laughs> Whenever I picked the Jets. <laughs> oh well, well that's understandable. I mean, I I forgot they played. That, that's a very forgettable matchup. Um, but yeah, Dolphins. This is a this is going to be one of those weird ones. I think you should keep your eye on. It. Um, you have one of the best defenses as of late going against just about the worst offense in the NFL as of late. So conventional wisdom says absolutely take the Dolphins, but this is one of those games where it's like something weird is is liable to happen. With, with you know, one of these trends has got to break. It's not enough that I'm going to take the Broncos. I'm going to take the Dolphins, but keep your eye on this football game. I don't, I don't, trust that it's going to go the way that we think it's going to. I think last week's game for the Dolphins against the Chargers was more of a trap game than than this one. But uh, you could be right. Well, next next we've got your Cowboys at the Vikings. Uh, thoughts, Jonas? Look, I know I said the Vikings had a free win this week, and they do. I, I personally think you're stupid to pick the Cowboys at this point. <laughs> and Minnesota's been playing better lately, so I'm going with the Vikings. We already had our one shot of beating a good team, and we blew it. So I'm going to say Dalvin Cook runs it down the Cowboys' throat for 150-plus, a couple touchdowns. That's probably not going to be. Maybe. Also, something to add, I think we're starting Andy Dalton, so that could be rough. Well, that could actually be a positive. No. The only positive <laughs> at this point is if they start Cooper Rush. Oh, amen. Actually, we're bringing back Matt Castle. 
Oh boy, and the Vikings are bringing back <laughs> Christian Ponder, like I said. Yes. <laughs> um, next, we've got the Packers at the Colts. Uh, I'm actually going to be at this game this week, and you better bet if I'm going to go to a game, I'm going to pick the Packers. Uh, Alan Lazard has been activated, so he's back. Marquez Valdez-Scantling. The guy's so darn inconsistent, it drives me insane. Uh, he was our savior against Jacksonville this last week. Um, you know, if he can maintain it, if he can actually just catch the football like he did last week, uh, Packers should win this game. Brock? This is honestly a toss-up for me, as well as the Colts have been playing lately. And I want to give them the edge because they're playing at home. Um, but, boy, Aaron Rodgers has been so good this season. And it's really tough to, to pick against him. And they struggled against uh, Jacksonville last week, which was surprising to see. But it, you, can't, you can't pick against the Packers in a controlled environment. Um, the, the way Aaron Rodgers has been playing, he's got all of his weapons back um, with, with Alan Lazard back now. Um, Devontae Adams has been banged up, but, you know, he, he fights through injuries. Aaron Jones has been stellar. It's tough to, get, to pick against the Packers on any given week, so I will, I will roll with the Packers as much as I want to pick the Colts. With an upset, I'll roll with the Packers. Look, there's one reason that I'm going to pick the Colts. And that reason is is because Mark is going to the game. <laughs> I just, you know, Aaron, against Jacksonville, the weather conditions were not ideal. It was very windy. And aside from the interception Rodgers threw, which it looked like he just didn't even see the defender. I mean, he was throwing it on point all game. So I have to imagine in a stadium uh, where the elements are not at play mm -hmm. uh, with how he's been throwing the rock around. Um, and part of the issue last week, too, is they could never get the run game going. Uh, Jackson, honestly, we didn't uh, use Aaron Jones a ton. It was mostly Jamal Williams. So I, I have a hard time. I mean, the Packers' offense should be fine. I just I don't think Phillip Rivers is going to be able to take – advantage of our defense enough well and i think this game will also be telling for uh packers future playoff chances because they're, they're going up against um you know one of the top defenses in the league and if aaron Rodgers continues to perform the way that he has against this colts defense then um and probably watch out for the packers absolutely agree um, next we've got the chiefs at the raiders Lightning struck for the Raiders in the first matchup with the Chiefs, but unfortunately for them, it's not going to strike twice. I think the Chiefs might win this game by like 20 points. I agree with Jonas. Uh, first couple weeks, I saw the Chiefs play. I said, this team's going to go 16-0. and um, They're so good on both sides of the football. I agree. I think uh, Vegas got lucky the first time they played. Um, Kansas City's going to remember that, and they're going to win this game by three scores. 
Jonas, if there's anything you know, it's a, you know I like to pick against the Chiefs. Um, uh, you're going to give me a free one? I'm not going to pick against them here, though. Oh, I, I, I'm pretty sure I picked the first time actually correctly because that was just during my string of let's pick against Kansas City every week. Um, so it was more of a luck thing. I could be wrong on that. It's been a while, but I'm, I'm picking the Chiefs here. Then we've got the Rams at the Buccaneers. Complete toss-up. Complete. The the Buccaneers seem to struggle with good defensive lines. Against the Bears, they they struggled. I I don't know. I feel like I'm going to go with the Rams. Even though the Rams can't do anything on offense right now, it just seems like uh, Tampa Bay has just been up and down. So... I agree with Jonas. I think it's going to be which Jared Goff shows up. Uh, you know the Rams' defense is going to be good and is going to put pressure on Tom Brady. Um, Tom Brady struggles under pressure. Um, he's still one of the best in the league when he has a clean pocket and has time to throw the football. You put pressure on Tom Brady, that's when he struggles. Uh, the Saints were able to put pressure on him, and, and he's struggling. I think the Rams will do that. So... The Rams need an average offensive attack to be able to hang with the Bucks, and I think there's there's a decent chance that, that Goff will be able to show up and be able to put up and put up enough points to be able to hold off Tom Brady. Well, I agree. This is a total toss-up. Uh, I'm gonna pick Tampa Bay, uh, mostly because it's an opportunity for me to pick a good team and potentially make up a game. Um, I'm just going to bank on their offense having a good enough play call to get the ball out quickly. Because like you said, Tom Brady's, one, he's not mobile, so and he's not great under pressure. So they're going to have to find a way to give him a little bit of time or they're going to have to find a way to get the ball out of his hands really quickly. But I'm still going to pick Tampa Bay. Mark, we picked a lot of games different this week. This could go either really good for you or very, very bad. I like, you know, I'm an optimist. I always have been. So I'm just going to bank on this being a good week for me, and I'll be out ahead next week. Uh, I hope so, for your sake. <laughs> well, that, that's all of our, uh, all of our picks. Uh, do we want to switch to the NBA? Yeah, we can. I mean, I I know Brock here is uh, not the NBA savant, but I, uh, I will have uh, minimal to add to this conversation. We have a lot less to talk about yeah. than the NFL, so this this will hopefully go relatively quick. I mean, what, the big thing of note, well, a couple big things. One, the draft is tonight. Um, in my opinion, uh, not a an overly talented draft class looking into it right now granted look ahead five years who knows um, what, what are your th- kind of thoughts on the draft I, I've heard some rumors about the Bulls potentially trading up uh, I actually heard that the Bulls are potentially looking to trade Wendell Carter uh, to the Warriors uh, to move up to number two to uh, draft James Wiseman well you know, 
there is some interesting because you have Anthony Edwards, you have James Wiseman, Obi Toppin, Lamelo Ball. Yeah, the one guy that if you draft first or second or third, if anybody takes Lamelo Ball inside like the top five, I'm gonna lose my mind because there is no way that he's actually any good. In my opinion. I I agree. He had like 10 games down in Australia. And with all the baggage the Ball family carries to begin with, I just don't see anything to justify a number one overall selection. And like you said, even top five. I saw I saw some predictions that he might go number uh, number one, though. So, which would just be crazy if you're Minnesota, but... I, I don't know. It'd be quite... Timberwolves fans have, uh, have probably had to deal with quite a bit of frustration. So I imagine if I'm a Timberwolves fan and you have the opportunity at the number one overall pick, you're desperately hoping they're not taking LaMelo Ball. Pretty sure everyone that is in like the top three this year are just thinking to themselves, why couldn't we get top three pick last year? <laughs> right, right. But, uh, well, uh, there's been quite a bit of trades. Um, uh, the one that, I, honestly, that, that I think about the most and doesn't really make too much sense to me is uh, Chris Paul to the Suns. Yeah, yeah that one, I, I agree with you. I was a little confused to see that. It doesn't seem to make a whole lot of sense to me because Chris Paul's, is he 35 now? Something like that? I don't know. I honestly do not I, know. I, I mean, part of it with part of it with uh, the Thunder. He he was used. You know, he had quite a bit of rest, kind of for the majority of the season. You know, they didn't really play him like a like a starting point guard. Um, you know, minutes wise as much, and they kind of saved him more for the end of the season. Uh, I can't imagine that's what the Suns' plan for him is. So I guess it's part of it's gonna Matt see if he can hold up and but he's not really the playmaker he was a couple of years ago. Yeah, I uh, yeah, it just uh, that one kind of dumbfounded me, but uh, it probably is not as dumbfounding as uh, if James Harden got traded to the Nets. Yeah, that uh. That would be a questionable move, um, for sure. Uh, especially if you're the Nets, just thinking. I mean, you had James Harden <laughs> to a team that's already got Kyrie and Kevin Durant, two guys who in the past have had issues when they're not the focal point of the offense. Uh, adding, <laughs> adding James Harden to that just seems like a terrible idea, uh, especially because Houston would obviously want a haul in return. And Houston, uh, Houston right now has basically said they don't care if Westbrook and Harden want to go. They're fine with it, things getting uncomfortable and holding on to them. I did see that Houston, uh, apparently Harden turned down a $50 million a year contract, uh, which is just absurd if you think about it, uh, because he wants to go to the Nets and he feels like his title window is closing, which with the Rockets it is. I don't know. 
Got any more thoughts on that? No. Uh, yeah, I mean, I pretty much agree with you. I know we talked somewhat about just the Nets being a horrible team with just Kyrie and KD uh, trying to ball hog each other, but I couldn't even imagine. And it's interesting, just, I don't know, Houston getting Russell Westbrook, I don't know if, I feel like that would be pretty mutual to for them to get rid of him after he basically contributed nothing. But uh, I would think you'd want to try to keep Harden. I don't know why Harden wants to leave for it. I just kind of, kind of seemed like that news just came out of nowhere, but... Yeah, I, I agree. I, I think, I mean, obviously you try to get rid of Westbrook, but I'm not sure there's a ton of interest league-wide around adding Westbrook, um, you know, to a lot of teams that are looking to contend just because he's not exactly a team player. Um, and he comes with quite a contract, so yeah, you have to pay quite a cost to get a guy who may not, exactly gel quite as nicely with your team as you'd like but well I think the big the big thing everyone you know that's been talked about is uh the bucks uh going all in right now with trying to acquire uh, some talent around Giannis um they're clearly making a push to try to get him to re-sign as soon as possible um trading well, it was, it's a pure trade of three first-round picks and then two pick swaps. And I don't remember, um, it was Eric Bledsoe and one other player to the Pelicans for Drew Holiday. Um, I mean, they got pretty much the same. The, the Pelicans got about the same for uh, Drew Holiday as what they did for Anthony Davis. So Yeah, I mean, this, is, this trade is clearly a win for the Pelicans. Um, I mean, I can't imagine other teams are going to be willing to give up that kind of uh, that kind of haul for him. Um, and I mean, I guess for Milwaukee, um, you know, you, you've talked a little bit about your thoughts on Giannis, but if you're a small market team like Milwaukee, if these moves get Giannis to sign that supermax, I mean, I guess you could say it's a win for them. But, man, if he doesn't sign this and you just traded five first-round picks to get Drew Holiday, you've really hurt yourself in the coming future. Granted, I know NBA first-round picks aren't nearly as uh, treasured or valued. I mean, I heard the comparison that a, an NBA first-round pick is probably close to equal value of an NFL third-round pick. Uh, probably depends partially on the dra draft class and where the pick is, but... They're, they're clearly not valued as much because uh, you see them just tossed around like this. Well, yeah, because it's only every few years where you get like a, a number one pick, you know, overall pick that actually seems to be worth the, the number one or top three. I mean, even like last year, like R.J. Barrett was, you know, a good third pick, and you basically heard nothing about him. Um during the season, I granted is the Knicks are just trash, but it's uh yeah, you know it. Honestly, these guys this year actually could be really good players, but it's kind of become like a, a reverbial effect after 
the top three players from last year were just so hyped up. So, yeah. I mean, there's the thing is, there's so many... The NBA draft is so unpredictable, too. You see so many busts, and then you also see so many players come out of the second round. Like, like Jimmy Butler was a... I think he was an early second round pick by the Bulls. Um, you know, players like that. There's, there's plenty. I mean, part of it, it's only two rounds. So, I mean, yeah. Usually, you have the top couple guys coming out of college. Maybe a, a you know one or two guys who have some inter- that are played internationally that has some name recognition, and then you have absolutely no clue who the rest of the draft class is. <laughs> so, yeah. I mean. It just it just depends. Yeah, I mean that's all I pretty much have to uh, to say about the NBA. Yeah, I had I just had one quick thing on the MLB. Um, oh, and also just to add, our our esteemed guest, uh, he he hates the NBA so much that he actually had to uh, had to leave for the rest of this episode, but. Uh, that's okay. We'll we'll continue to carry it on here. Yeah, yeah. I, I actually would have liked to have him here for this MLB segment, but that's okay. Um, well, I would have liked to have him here for uh, the NCAA, considering he's such a big Alabama fan. Also but, true. Uh, but, uh, but it's okay. But with 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 the MLB, um, you know, free agency has started. I think the biggest deal I've seen is Drew Smiley getting signed. Uh, like a one-year, $11 million contract. I don't remember where he went to. Um, though that's not what I wanted to talk about. Uh, Robinson Cano uh, tested positive for PEDs today, and the league announced he has a full 162-game suspension for next season uh, with yeah. no pay. So yeah. he is forfeiting $24 million next, next season, which is quite a bit. Um, this is the second time I believe that Robinson Cano has tested positive for PEDs. I tested positive two or three years ago, I believe. Yeah. Um, which is a little unfortunate. I mean, Cano, you know, for a while there was definitely on a Hall of Fame track. Um, clearly now with the two suspensions, uh, not very likely. And Granted, his play hasn't exactly been phenomenal when he's been healthy over the last few seasons. So, but that, that's really the big news out of the MLB. Hopefully, we see a little bit more ramp up in some of the free agent discussions. Uh, I'm just hoping the Rangers re-sign Joey Gallo. Well, did you see Please. the Brewers are? Uh, it sounds like Brewers are shopping Hater uh, in hopes of getting some bats. Oh. That is well. Actually, the Rangers bullpen has been slowly getting better. I mean, but. I think the way the Brewers see it, you know, Hater is going to start even with his arbitration and everything. He's going to start demanding more money. He's still under control for three seasons, I believe. Uh, granted, every season he's going to get more and more money in arbitration. So, I think the way they think, he's controllable for fairly reasonable price uh still a great reliever and they've got devin williams to take over the closing role um i will say the gm david stearns uh, has proven he's not willing to settle in trades so don't think this means the brewers are going to force hater out of there if they don't get the haul they're looking for they will not move them 
I feel like you guys try... I, I feel like you guys need to spend a little bit more money on some of these guys because you keep kind of losing these players that are, like, really good for, you know, obviously, small market team, you have to build up your prospect pool, but I feel like you guys have, the last couple years have been, like, one or two, like, great players away, and then, like, uh, you know, after a season goes by, you trade one of them, and then you bring in another really good player, and you're kind of back where you're at, so... I don't know. I, I, to me, it might be worth trying to hang on and just sign a couple of like really good players, above average players, for like a season or two, and just seeing what you can do. But well, the thing with the Brewers, it sounds like they want multiple MLB ready bats. Mm, okay. And that that, well, that was, might make that, more that sense. That was Milwaukee's like the pitching was not the problem in Milwaukee last season. Everybody going into the season said it was, but Brandon Woodruff proved that he's an ace. Corbin Burns was in the Cy Young conversation. He finally figured things out. He looked phenomenal. Um, Brett Anderson wasn't bad. I mean, Milwaukee, Milwaukee, their pitching's not – and the bullpen, bullpen's fine. I mean, bull, bullpen played pretty good. Um, you know, you hope Corey Knebel actually gets completely up to strength again this next season. Bullpen's going to be fine. So – I they really needed bats though, and they actually I was a little surprised. Um, our best acquisition, Jed Jerko, uh, they actually declined his five million dollar option, which was a bit surprising to me because he was one of our better players down the stretch. Um, so right now there's a lot of openings in that offense. I mean, we don't have a first baseman. I mean, they could bring back Daniel Vogelbach, but. His career line says he's not going to do what he did this last season, and he's really more of a DH player. Um, well, aren't they keep aren't they keeping the DH for this year, this next year? I believe so. Um, you know, Manny Pena is going to be back at catcher. That'll help out. Hopefully, Omar Narvaez can uh, find his bat again for catcher. You've got Keston here at second base, at shortstop. You probably still have Orlando Arcia. Um, who didn't play bad this last season. He was much more consistent offensively. Third base, probably have Luis Urias, who they acquired from the Padres at the beginning of the season. Kind of a, He got off to a hot start. Um, still a really young player. Um, needs to develop a little bit more. We'll see. I mean, you get Lorenzo Cain back in, in center field, and that's going to help the offense too. So... It'll be interesting to see how things shape up, but they really need more production out of. Well, they, one, they need Christian Yelich to play like Christian Yelich again. They need Keston Hira to play like Keston Hira again. They need production, and they need production in the first and third. If they can get that, they're going to be fine. Um, but. Well, the Rangers need to get production out of Rugnet Odor again. <laughs> I'm pretty sure I owe Devin like five bucks. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure you do too. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Never bet on Rugnan Odor. Never. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I don't really feel like talking about the Rangers too much, at least right now. But well, uh, You want to move into something we do like talking about, uh, which is Rutgers? Oh, 
Thank goodness. I thought you were going to say college football. Yeah. Oh, so, so I, I, I found our Rutgers fact for the day, and this is a bit of a history lesson. Oh, um, boy. So actually, Rutgers uh, University and uh, New Jersey, which became Princeton, played the first intercollegiate football game in 1869. Um, the final score, man, was it a shootout, was 6-4. to four. <laughs> I don't. How do you even happen upon that score? Like, I, I imagine. Uh, now, granted, I did read the rules back then were based more closely to the eighteen thirty nine version of, I believe it was like English rugby or something like that. It was something similar to that. So the rules might have been a little bit different. Um. I mean, it could be two field goals and two safeties. <laughs> Mark, I think it was three safeties and two safeties. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I hope so. But uh, since then, uh, Rutgers being one of the oldest football teams, they have a fantastic record of 481, 491, and 22 in 106 seasons. Hmm. Uh, well, it's good to see they have a losing record. Well, and things have only gotten better since they joined the Big Ten. Um, since joining the Big Ten, Rutgers is uh, is 19 and 52, and only seven of those were conference wins. <laughs> yes, that is true excellence out on the football field right there. That is uh, that is something. For sure. They need to leave the Big Ten, please. Just go to the worst conference. I I disagree. Keep them there. Uh, why? So Ohio State and Wisconsin can just get free wins over here? Look, they're on Wisconsin's side of the Big Ten. Okay. Oh, thank goodness. <laughs> Don't need Ohio State getting, in, getting that. If Ohio State had to play Rutgers every year, Rutgers just wouldn't have a football team. <laughs> oh man I can't they literally I think the average for like teams winning has to be like seven seven conference wins like a season and they only have seven man that's just what's even the point of going to a rock like you know like what would you do for a Klondike bar Mark what would you do if you had to go to a Rutgers game or do you mean what would I have to do to get out of going to a Rutgers game? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, if they're playing Wisconsin, I'd actually like to go to that game. Well, um, yeah, Wisconsin aside. I mean, it, it'd just be a waste of three... Well, it'd probably be longer than three hours, because uh, they'd just be airing it out the whole time. And the other team would just be scoring instantaneously, so it'd be a long game. It'd, it'd be pretty brutal. I'd, I, I, I'd probably just eat the loss on the ticket money. No, no, Mark. You, you don't. You don't have to pay for the ticket. The, we're just forcing you to go. We're just dropping you in. I'd. I think I'd rather go camping for a weekend, and I really don't like camping. Oh, <laughs> man, that is that. That would be rough. Maybe camping in the parking lots, like kind of like tailgating for a weekend, <laughs> right? 
right ahead of the Rutgers game. Mark, what about going on a couple of choice dates? I mean, I'm always down for a date, so. Oh, but but these these ones are choice, Mark. Uh, anyway, sorry, yeah, well, I don't even know what I'd do. You know, going to a college game would be kind of entertaining, even if it is Rutgers to me. You know, I'd say maybe give me about 40 bucks that I can spend on concessions, I'd go. 40 bucks, huh? That gets yeah. you two trays of nachos and a large drink. Well, that's exactly what I would be spending <laughs> <laughs> Hey, college games, they got to have cheaper concessions than that. I mean, surely. Uh, well, I would hope so at a Rutgers game. <laughs> wow. Man, I could go for some nachos now, Mark. <laughs> well, why don't you carry us into our next segment, and uh, then you'll be close to getting your nachos. Oh, good. Well, this is the, uh, yeah, we're on to the sports we don't care about here. Uh, the, the last segment of the show. And uh, I guess to start it off, you have probably the most important golf tournament of the year. I mean, this was postponed, I believe, from earlier in the year. I think it usually, well, I don't even know when it happens. I'm not going to even try to guess. But but, uh, Dustin Johnson wins the Masters. He kind of, by the third round, he kind of got out to a lead. And, uh, you know, I did, I I watched a little bit of of it and... uh, yeah, once once the, Dustin Johnson got out to a bit of a lead, it was kind of like, well, is, is it really worth watching anymore? I mean, there's a couple other guys I don't remember their names that tried making a run there on the uh, the last last day, but ultimately couldn't come up with it. And uh, Tiger Woods actually played pretty well for the most part, but uh, he had a ten on a par three which gives you plus seven strokes, and uh, that's ultimately what killed him as he he hit three balls into the water. Now, that's impressive. Um, Even, you know, coming from someone like me who usually has to hit, like, two tee shots before I, you know, am able to get it across the old lake. But, uh, yeah. So, entertaining, I guess. You know, more entertaining if you're a golf, you know, enthusiast. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't think we predicted it right. I think my, my prediction was like Rory McIlroy, I think, or Jason Day. No, I picked Jason Day, which yeah. I still don't even know if he played. <laughs> I picked Tiger. <laughs> yeah, you know, he, he looked – he had a shot uh, go into the first two rounds. His first-round score was like the lowest first-round score I'd ever sh- uh, shot. So, I uh, looked promising in the beginning, but uh, – but yeah, I think people are were trying to crown Justin Johnson as like the new Tiger Woods, and it's like, why do golf people keep trying to do this? Because yeah, there's nobody that's going to be on that level like consistently, I think. Um, but uh, the next thing we have is the ATP Nitto Finals going on for tennis. This is the last tennis tournament of the season, and it actually involves only the top eight uh ranked players in the uh in the tennis world and they play uh kind of around little round robin uh before the top four are set 
the semis are the Saturday and the finals are on Sunday. I know Daniil Medvedev earlier today beat uh, Djokovic in two sets out of three. Actually, pretty easily. I think it was like 6-3, 6-3. And um, that qualified him to be in the top four, which is his first top four Nitto finals uh, of his career. I know Dominique Team, the winner of the U.S. Open this year, uh, beat Nadal yesterday uh, in three sets, and that one was actually much more entertaining. The first set went to a tiebreak, then Nadal with the second set, and Team coming back and winning in the third. So he has not yet qualified for the top four, however, but uh, I think he plays uh, Andre Rublev, which, you know, this guy does have the most ATP. Uh, championships for this season uh but he's 0-2 so far in this tournament and looks to be out of it as well as Stefano Tsitsipas doesn't look like too promising for him Alexander Zverev uh the the other finalist at the U.S. Open uh I think he has one and one record uh so I don't know it could be could be uh anybody's game here so far, it does look like Medvedev is playing at the highest level. Uh, so, it'll be interesting. I I'll be excited to watch uh, the end to this tennis season. And hopefully, uh, before you know the start of this next year, the coronavirus kind of settles back down a little bit. So, And then, Mark's favorite, the MLS. Well, first off, I'd like to apologize to all of our listeners. Um, I accidentally saw an MLS headline. Um, I know you expect better than me. I do everything I can to ignore MLS headlines. But I feel like I'm obligated to share it as a true journalist like I am. Um, now, I will say I didn't click on the article. I just read the headline. Uh, so I guess hopefully I can get a little bit of forgiveness there. Um, but apparently the MLS is thinking that if a team in the postseason uh, has coronavirus outbreaks, they are just done. Um, no more postseason for you. So I guess you could say uh, we care about the MLS about as much as the MLS cares about their own playoff integrity. <laughs> so... Um, that is just that is absurd. <laughs> I I agree. I saw considering, so it's not a. It's just a report. So I again, I didn't read the article. I have to stay true to myself in that fashion. But um, well, this has been episode ten of the MJ Sports Podcast. Yes. Uh, special, special thanks to Brock. Um, I enjoyed having him on. I, I think we'll have to get him back on here again. I agree. We need to get him on here to just talk a bunch of crap about Alabama. That was one of the things I was looking forward to. But uh, well, during the ba you know, if if free baseball free agency picks up, it'd be good to have him on for that too. That's true. That's true. We could maybe just bring him in kind of towards the end of the podcast because you know I don't figure he would have a ton more to say about you know particular NFL stories so uh but yeah this has been uh, we made it 10 episodes it's like a little uh, episode 10 extravaganza here um I don't know if you have anything else to add add to it just thanks for listening and we'll be back next week <laughs>